You're listening to Around Comics, episode 223, brought to you by InStockTrades.com, Afro Samurai, and Netflix. From Chicago, this is Around Comics, the comic culture podcast, where each week our revolving panel of guests talk about everything in and around the world of comic books and comics culture. And Around Comics is recorded at Dark Tower Comics and Collectibles, located at 4835 Northwestern Avenue in Chicago. If you're in the area, drop on by. Hey there, folks. Christopher Neesman here, and let me get you introduced to this week's panel. Uh, first of all is the host of Tom vs. the Flash. I always want to say JLA. Tom versus the Flash. Mr. Tom Caters. Salutations. (laughs) Salutations. Good sir. Fancy, yeah. You you know, you look all right. It doesn't look like tax season has ground you down too bad yet. I swallow it inside, all the pain. All the sorrow. This is your your release here on Fridays. It'll spawn eventually like an alien. Yeah, I'll just lose it. I'll be ordering a sandwich at Subway, and they'll put, like, black olives on it, and I'll just lose my shit, like, right in the middle of the day. You don't like black olives? No, I don't. Mm. And hot subs, maybe. (laughs) Not cold subs. Really? That seems weird to me, to have have any kind of vegetable on a hot sub. I just want meat. I guess we'll see. Basically, well, this has gotten off the tracks quickly. (laughs) Josh, what what do you like on a hot (laughs) sauce? Next is my is my partner in crime, Mr. Brian Salazar. What's up? I'm back to piss people off again for another week. We've all been doing a good job of that lately. I've been making people angry. Well, just all over on the forum, pissing people off, getting speaking your mind. It's not hard. It's not a good thing. It's what the internet's for. I mean, I guess I don't know. If you can't be alive, I'm working on uh, on on the Scott Pilgrim fans this week. That's what I'm working on. Well, I I got them starting on 11 o'clock this week. Well, let's introduce our uh, our special guest this week. Uh, um, longtime friend of the show, first time guest though. Yes, it's uh, very very special time for me. Go, goes back. <laughs> uh, we've known you for about four years now, but uh, you are the creator of Mail Order Ninja. You're also one of the writers on uh, DC's The Batman Strikes. Mr. Josh Elder, welcome aboard. Good to be here. It's good to have you here. And and really, you're you're a Chicagoan. You're in the comic book community. We've known you for like four years, and the first time you're here. I know it's it's kind of an outrage. I'm, I'm disappointed <laughs> in myself, really. But, you were saving uh, your anger until yeah. you got here. Yeah, now, you're now like... I'm my spleen has, is swollen, and now I shall vent it. <laughs> Wait, Josh was so friendly in his emails, but he got here, and <laughs> I'm gonna mess you up. I just want to say fuck you for taking <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> um. Uh, I want to remind everyone that this episode of Around Comics is sponsored by InStockTrades.com, which I'm assuming that you can get Mail Order Ninja in stock trades. It's a it's a, a Tokyo Pop imprint, correct? It is, yeah. So I know that they have a Tokyo Pop section there, but uh, uh, InStockTrades.com offers a huge selection of the collected editions you need. InStockTrades is your source for trade paperbacks, deluxe hardcovers, essentials, showcases, archives, absolute editions, omnibus editions, and more, all at great discounted prices. And remember that all all orders over over fifty dollars <laughs> do in fact ship for free, and uh, you know let's check. I'm sure uh, I'm sure mail order ninja is there, and we'll talk about that. Free dog with every order over seventy. What are you doing over there? Yeah, I'm trying to fix this stupid. Sorry, you're like, sorry, you're like taking apart the whole thing. Uh, oh, <laughs> you you do what you. I'm just gonna turn your mic off. See, it, it, this is our third episode with headphones on, so now everyone can hear while Sal is adjusting his just, microphone. It's not working. <laughs> the delicate genius needs his mic. 
set up in just yeah. the right way. I know. It's like he couldn't have done this 10 minutes ago. Yeah. Um, oh, um, no better time than during the show for a major engineering project. <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. Too. I'm like, I really could have done this. Well, right before we started. No but need. Wait till the go guest ahead. is talking. Go on without me. I'm fine. I'm good now. All We're right. good. We're um, almost right. What Why do I always get a work for? <laughs> Let me see. I had forgotten what... Uh, oh, yes. Uh, music for this episode features one of my all-time favorite bands, oh, great. Los Lobos. I thought it was going to be... Uh, uh, no, Wu-Tang. That's, Wu-Tang is next week. Oh, Jesus. Wu- I have to, I have to uh, establish Are my... Are you picking the songs? Well, I have to establish my, my white... Yeah. I have to establish my whiteness <laughs> for one more Lord. week. I'm, I'm, Los I'm, Lobos. I'm, I'm, I'm working into it with Los Lobos. So. Conway Twitties the week after that. <laughs> Did hey. you turn me back up? Yes, I turned. I turned you. Are you done futzing with your? Uh, I don't know. I think I might have it. All right, turn me it's up. Like this, this extreme. Los set Lobos. Of, huh? Yes, Lobo, Los Lobos this week, which I think is one of the, the really underappreciated uh, uh, bands in America. A absolutely fantastic band. One of my favorites. Ooh, someone got up on their soapbox. Not <laughs> all big fans of Los Lobos. I think That's sorry. pretty much how Chris determines whether he'll listen to a band or not. Is if if he feels that they're underappreciated, it must he be underappreciated. Then, he will then listen to them. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, I tell you what. What's um, next uh, week? Wu Tang Clan is one of the most underappreciated. <laughs> hey, thank Chris. Be- because I'm I'm tired of taking flack for the the RZA comment. It's <laughs> I. <laughs> I had had no idea who the RZA was and referred to him as as the RZA. With hot beats. Yeah. uh, RZA. He's actually the rapping brother to RZA the Rat from the Muppets. (laughs) Yeah. Continuity. Oh, and then and then I screwed up another one. The next week, Morgu. Yeah, Morgu yeah. or Morgo. It's 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 Rue Morg. <laughs> the Rue Morgo. I'm like, what? <laughs> what the hell's a Morgo? Yeah, yeah. In between that and the Tomaro comment, I need to go back to. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Pop yeah, what's, school. what school? We'll yeah, get you taught. Southern Illinois. Go back and burn your high school to the ground, I think is what you need to do. Southern so. Illinois. Southern yeah. Illinois did it. Hey, it's dirt floor high school anyway, so. You know. All right. Well, Balin Hay was your first class. <laughs> that was an elective. Yeah, no, it was uh, cow milking comes before hay milking. Yeah, that's, that's all before the sun comes up. Yeah, exactly. The pastors of Southern <laughs> Illinois. Well, Mr. Uh, Mr. Elder, uh, once again, welcome aboard, and uh, um, just wanted to, uh, to kind of recount the the story of us meeting you for the first time. Uh-huh. It was actually pre around comics, was it? I or it may have been the first. No, it was. No, it was. It was, it was, a, it was the first year that at we had Windy done City Comic Con. Yeah. No, 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 Wizard or, World, <laughs> Wizard World Chicago, <laughs> Wizard World Chicago. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we were in the bar at uh, wasn't the old the Knuckles? Knuckles. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, sweet Knuckles. Uh, <laughs> somehow, you just came up to us and introduced yourself and gave us your book. Yeah, yeah. And that was pretty much. I don't know how you knew who we were, but I couldn't tell you that I now either. I I have no idea. Idea. You were just giving the book out to complete strangers, <laughs> yeah. anyone, anyone at the bar yes. that, that with we a friendly, friendly face. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, that's how we got to know you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then came to uh, find out later that um, you work with Jeffrey Brown, or you worked with Jeffrey Brown. At uh, that makes it sound a lot cooler than it was. We actually worked <laughs> at the same Barnes and Noble, um, <laughs> and uh, I actually. I'm in a business venture with Jeff now, but um, he and I, uh, yeah, it was really ironic. I'd been working at this Barnes and Noble, um, the one on um, Webster and Clybourne, mm-hmm. and then he sh- he starts working there in the music department, same as me, and we realized we were the most 
sort of graphic novel concentrated Barnes and Noble in the history of well, like the of, entire yeah, chain. Of, of possibly all even in like you know if you go into multiverse kind of uh, scenarios, it would just be <laughs> more really world. difficult. Um, and you're uh, both working in the music section, yes, in no less. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was just uh, really odd, and uh, you know, he and I became friends out of that, and uh, yeah, it was it was just a really odd thing for like you know about a year and a half there. We both both worked at the same Barnes and Noble. That's cool. That's that's a lot of talent in one music department at a Barnes and Noble. So yeah, yeah, very cool. Um, uh, tell us a little bit about the the story of of mail order ninja becoming um, uh, a Tokyo Pop. Uh, okay. Book. Well, uh, Mail Order Ninja started. I went to Northwestern. I was a film major there, and uh, we were wanting to come up with ideas for student films that weren't like basically weirdo experimental new wave ripoffs or emo um, records playing in black and white, exactly. and scratching at the end, and then someone walking and, by, like and in then a event, and then like you just see someone cut themselves, and it's, then they say something completely abstract, like you know. Um, Blueberry poultry. Pie. There you go. There you go. And you know, we didn't want to do that. And uh, I had gotten a bunch of old comics off of eBay, and uh, they had, you know, as old comics are wanted to do ads for like X-ray glasses, Charles Atlas gained forty pounds of muscle in two-week yeah. weightlifting programs. Great. And uh, yeah, I, I I am a uh, I'm a big fan of the Atlas uh, plan. Um, I've kicked uh, many much sand has been kicked in my face. I have uh, retaliated thanks to Charles, um, but. Uh, I said, what if you could order something really crazy out of one of these? Like, I don't know, a ninja. And my friend said, dude, that's the best idea you've ever had. And he was right. Um, and that afternoon, I developed everything that went into the original Mail Order Ninja short story. But we very quickly realized two very important things. One, ninjas are quite expensive and outside of our student film budget. And two, most parents wouldn't let their 10-year-olds be around a kid with a – or a guy dressed all in black with a sword. And uh, Sal. Sal yeah. would. Oh, yeah, yeah, hey, I'll give you the sword. <laughs> all right. Even better. <laughs> um, so I redid it as a comic. Um, and for those of you who aren't familiar, Mail Order Ninja is a story about a kid who gets a ninja in the mail and takes him to school, helps him fight back against the school bullies and the evil rich girl who runs the school. And, um, you know, kind of uh, ninjinks ensue, as you would expect. Ninjinks. Ninjinks. Copyrighted. Nin- it is. <laughs> Copyright. Get that out there. That's uh, – well, you, that, you can't copyright that. I've trademarked it. Trade, um, trademarked. Different, different thing entirely. Oh, just, yeah. um, that but, is where you're going to make all of your money. Yes, ninjinks. <laughs> Anytime someone uses it, I get a quarter. Um, <laughs> All but, right, I'll give you that quarter. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I met up with this artist named Eric Owen, um, and he and I did a 20-page short story that we were going to self-publish if we couldn't find anyone to go for it. Because, again, it, it's not really something that fits in. It's more it's more Calvin and Hobbes than it is um, Batman. Um, and Or even, you know... Um, and like it, it kind of fits like an Oni property, but it still wasn't like what they normally do, or what mm-hmm. certainly what like Dark Horse does. And at the time, you know, kids comic stuff just didn't exist. It's a, it's you know not really. It was all self published stuff. It was all Bone or Amelia Rules. None of the published, none of the book pub, major book publishers, none of the comic publishers were really behind any kind of kids material at all. And um, we entered in. I, at a lark, we entered Tokyo Pop's Rising Stars and Manga Contest in 2005 and won the grand prize. And, Ta-da! and they offered us a book deal pretty much immediately afterwards, and um, that got me started in the business. And uh, now we've been like approached by Jackie Chan to turn it into a live action movie. He wants to maybe play the ninja, and we've got all sorts of other cool stuff happening that I can't I can't talk about. I can talk about Jackie Chan. I can't talk about the rest. Um, but it was a line up. of actual mail order ninjas. ninjas yeah. Yes, 
That's starring Jack, Jackie Chan's children. <laughs> and his clones. He has a lot of He's gonna be, children. We're going to clone him. They and sell grit when they get to your place. <laughs> <laughs> to finance their expensive ninjinks. Um, they, they do add up, the ninjinks. And uh, then it also got picked up as a, a comic strip in the LA Times, the Boston Globe, and about 40 other newspapers all over the country. And that's where now technically I think most people know it. Um, it's from the newspaper strip. Um, I hear that's a boom industry right now. Oh, huge, huge. <laughs> Only <laughs> growth. <laughs> Every day, a new a new newspaper adopts. It's like new newspaper starts up, and they're just like 20 pages of comics. Every day, do yeah. it. Yeah. That's actually uh, on the way here. I uh, found out that the uh, the Rocky in uh, in Denver. That it's rag. Like, it's like what? Yeah, that rag. It's been around for like a hundred and thirty years. They they had their last uh, their last their last issue today. Yeah, yeah. So it's a tough game. Then newspapers. Newspapers are definitely not uh, a growing industry. But tell us more about the yes. the potential for a, a movie. Um, well, I, I honestly can't. Like, there's stuff Jesus, happening. Why have you had dropped that? Yeah. bomb, and then I can't say anything about it. Have you met Jackie Chan? Uh, no, but he wrote us a letter. Uh, wow, was it like in calligraphy? I don't. I, I, haven't, <laughs> I haven't actually seen the letter. I've just it was had delivered it sort of... on an elephant <laughs> in a scroll form, and... and it was read to us by like two teenage uh, schoolgirls, um, and it was it was pretty exciting. That's how it works in manga. <laughs> and then then they had to fight like a time traveling robotic dinosaur um, afterwards. Sweet. But I mean, that's just you know that's just what happens every other day. But there you know, is potential for yeah know. no I mean there's like real stuff like like stuff real is stuff happening that's why you and can't I, talk about it that's why I can't talk about it because it's like actual ongoing negotiations right now awesome, that's um, awesome. well that, that's fantastic yeah it's pretty it's pretty swell um, I bet very Sam happy Jackson's I, involved <laughs> uh, I'm sure he eventually will be <laughs> yeah. like he he just I think it's He'll almost show up. I never should have drawn his father as Sam Jackson I know. damn it I'm oh, lost ninjas through. in this box <laughs> who ordered this ninja. Going back to the Tokyo Pop, the, the, the manga competition, uh-huh. I mean, the book isn't really typical. I mean, did you, when you produced it, were you thinking manga? Or were you just thinking more cartoon children's book as opposed to... Well, I guess the biggest influence on me for that book in particular was the Looney Tunes. Just the style of humor, the stuff that's really layered, so there's a lot of stuff for adults. Mm-hmm. But the kids still get... The kids get, on the surface, they get everything they need to understand the story and they enjoy it and it's fun um but the older you get the smarter the book becomes um so that was my biggest influence on it like individually but i also became a big fan i was really getting the manga at that same time and so a lot of um manga cartooning iconography started working its way in there um and a lot of manga storytelling techniques that I'd never seen before in Western stuff just started popping in there because mm-hmm. I thought they worked. And then I became a big fan of Naruto, and you know, he you know, that ended up playing a playing a role too on like how I would stage action and and uh, you know, and it, yeah, it wasn't. I didn't really say okay, I'm setting out to make like an English language manga, right? Um, much the same way that that I don't think a lot of people who grew up with it set out to do that um explicitly but um 
we grabbed when it, what worked when it did. And once we had the Tokyo Pop full book deal, okay, we said this is their audience. We'll play up these angles we were already playing up, and we'll play them up further. I don't think I, I didn't do anything that I didn't think served the story at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I didn't set out to make a manga, but when I knew we were working for Tokyo Pop full, bl- full blast, I did emphasize those elements. Right. But, again, I didn't let it. Like overtake it. At least you, I hope were, not. Were you surprised uh, at the success through the Tokyo Pop uh, competition of it? Uh, I mean, I thought it was a great story. I thought it certainly had the potential to win. I didn't think that it would, you know, win. Then we immediately get the book deal. Then the newspaper thing would happen, um, and you know, then that led to me working on Batman back over at DC, mm-hmm. um, and you know, all sorts of other and you know, Starcraft at Tokyo Pop and all just sorts of other possibilities that that opened. Um, I didn't expect it to happen. I didn't expect it to happen quite as quickly as it did. Um, and I'm ha- obviously I'm glad it did. <laughs> sure. um, but I didn't, you know, you can't go in expecting that. Yeah. Um, right. Because then you almost certainly get let down. Was it vastly different from the competition? Or was the competition it pretty was, varied? It was, I mean, there was nothing quite like Mail Order Ninja in that yeah. Rising Star book. I mean, it's, it's around. It's, I, it's kind of hard to get now, but... Um, everything else was kind of either action-oriented or there was comedy, but it was, like, shoujo, like, you know, girl comedy, basically, for Uh, lack of a better term. uh, Um, My favorite kind. Yes, you know. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) zany dating adventures and uh, makeup mishaps Mm -hmm. um, galore. But it was, Male and Ninja was very, it was explicitly, like, you know, a fun kid adventure thing, Um, and it had an art style that was completely different than anything else in the book. Um, in fact, they almost disqualified it because they thought the art wasn't manga enough at first. Um, it had I was going to ask that, yeah. Like... And yeah, they they almost they almost you know didn't let us win. But Brandon Montclair, who's uh, now over at DC, um, was the chief judge of that competition, and he's like, "This has to win," and really fought for it. Um, and uh, I think his choice is now vindicated. Um, but no i mean it was it was a it was a good competition there were a lot of good competitors and um you know i think that uh mail order ninja i obviously i think it deserved to win um but it was up against real competition and i'm proud of the book it's it's nice that it won yeah it's nice to get in that way um to to actually go through a competition and and know the level of of competition you were up against. I mean that's yeah. that's got to feel rewarding to say, yeah. hey, we went through this process and at the end we were the we were top chef. Did yeah. you, you know, we wrecked lives. Did, were you, did <laughs> yeah. you ever think it would be a newspaper strip? Was that ever oh, anything that that I, uh, never crossed my mind? Um, and it was a real exciting thing to do once we um, once that came down. They said they wanted me to repurpose some of the old strips, like the origin stuff, to to work as a as a as a comic strip, yeah. and then I uh, had got to create a bunch of new ones that fit in to the chronology of the larger story I told in the book that worked in parallel with them. And like, I created these conceits where like every comic strip ended with a haiku that would tell you what was going to happen next week. And um, just making it hard on yourself. Yeah, well, I mean, Jim Davis doesn't do this. Yeah. <laughs> Jim Davis doesn't do anything anymore. Yeah, yeah. Jim Davis. Jim Davis signs checks written out to him. That's what Jim Davis does. Um, and I would, I'd be happy to be in Jim Davis's shoes. I won't lie, but no, I mean, I, I wanted to do something fun, and I say, you know, I thought this would be neat, and you know, I was a lot of it was I was repurposing old material, and to keep myself interested, I had to do something, 
And so I, you know, started putting in the haikus and um, writing these kind of funny recaps where I'd have 50, 50 words, but I'd have to work to recap the whole thing so far, but I'd always try to work in at least one or two jokes in too. Yeah. And so, you know, that was, it was, um, it was, it was difficult, but it was fun. And it's like the, back in the old days, that was the pinnacle, getting that newspaper, getting oh, that yeah. newspaper strip. Syndication. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did the same artist uh, for the yeah. newspaper strips? Eric Owen, he, he really, I mean, they gave him like no time. I mean, I was pressed for time to do this, but he was really pressed for time. And he just knocked it all out of the park, just aces all across the board. Was um, that something that he had done before at all? No. Or that was just all no. new to him? It was, we were, you know, he'd been um, an animator and had, you know, had a, some comics background, but it was really kind of the, the break in for both of us. Mm-hmm. And then we got thrown into all sorts of deep ends like, hey, turn this into a comic strip. <laughs> you know, turn this short story into a novel. You know, and it was like it's the same thing, right? Yeah, it's like, uh, shh, you guys, whatever. You know, and it's like to do it in two weeks. You know, and we're like, what? Um, but no, I mean, it was it was rough, but I mean, we did stuff that I think we're both really proud of. And um, yeah, did you find yourself going and digging up as many comic strips as you could to kind of get your head around that process. I mean, that's a different type of writing. It is. It is. And mostly I just use Calvin and Hobbes because it's the best. It, it is the best. And it's the closest to what we were doing anyway um in terms of the way like the Sunday strips would always have some sort of like actiony element to them um where he would, you know, blow the panels up and he'd have fun with the design and obviously the the character dynamic um is very similar, you know. Calvin, Mail Order Ninja, I often describe as Calvin and Hobbes if Hobbes was a ninja. And um, so, it, you know, it was just good for me for writing Mail Order Ninja to read more Calvin and Hobbes. And then from a design perspective, you know, if you're going to rip off anyone, you may as well rip off, rip the, off best. the best. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Well, um, uh, how did that, uh, how did Mail, or- Mail Order Ninja um, get, you, get you, yeah, uh, uh, weather tongue. Um, you, you had mentioned uh, the Batman earlier. Right. How did how did uh, Mail Order Ninja lead into your opportunity uh, doing, doing the Batman, which was based on the animated series? Well, um, you know, the, obviously the, the animated show and the comic, the attending comic are, you know, the Johnny DC line, the stuff mm-hmm. that's ostensibly aimed at. Um, the younger readers, middle grades, generally age 12s, which is exactly the same age group Mail Order Ninja was aimed at. Um, I had been an intern at DC when I was in college and knew some of the editors there and had written some spec scripts that I liked a lot um, and the editors liked, but they were kind of like, you can't, we can't use you yet um, because, and they didn't use those exact words, but that's what they meant. Um, and I understood that from a, you know, they're, they're in a business and they're, they have an equation that's X, which is generally the character, the idea, plus Y, which is what the creator brings to the table in terms of sales, equals Z, which is what we need to break even. And my Y factor was a big fat zero. Yeah. You know, um, so I understood it. You know, I didn't, it really kind of broke my heart. I actually wrote, I wrote the best thing I've ever written, I think, um, was a Superman story that um, I actually saw DC staffers weep when they read. And um, Jesus Christ, what'd you do with it, man? It, uh, <laughs> what is this story? Um, I don't, I don't know if I can talk about it. Um, <laughs> Save it. Yeah. We're all going to be crying. What's it like being an intern at, well, at DC? Well, it, I mean, it, it I mean, was what, really what, fun. What was your day like? It was really fun. Um, you know, you'd, 
you spend a lot of time just reading comics, looking up stuff for character continuity elements. Like I was in editorial one year, I was in publicity another, um, and uh, I, you know, you when publicity, you know, you're mailing stuff out, you're you know getting stuff for people. You're I was like the I was the office nerd for like the publicity guys who generally came from outside of comics over to this part of Time Warner. Um, and I would explain to them like, oh, you know, here's here's why the electric blue Superman is different than a normal Superman, <laughs> yeah. um, which is not a conversation I wish I had to ever have with anybody. But, you know, there you go. Um, but uh, in editorial, you know, you'd be checking continuity stuff. Um, you know, you'd sometimes you'd work conventions and things like that. It was a lot of fun. Um, and I got turned into a bit of a cautionary tale at, uh, at the D.C. offices because I was a complete um, teetotaler in college. I never never touched, um, you know, the, the fire water. And, Graham uh, Morrison injected acid into your yeah. spine. <laughs> um, well, not quite so dramatic. But um, the day of my exit interview, my last day, um, a group of the editors took me out, and I was 21. They didn't like buy me a lead. I'm not trying to think. <laughs> 17. And I was, they bought him I a was nine years old. Um, <laughs> it's how DC ushers someone out. <laughs> that's right. It's just, just that's just you know. It's the DC way. <laughs> it's an unpaid internship. They've got to make it up somehow. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Grant um, Morrison was a choir boy before. He yeah, it's true. Um, but they they got me one of those like punch bowl margaritas. Oh man! And I drank the whole thing, That's and trouble. then I drank another. Oh! And then we're those walking back, you. and like I'm just I'm gone, and I like stumble into traffic, and Jesus. I had to be saved by one of the editors yanking Band me out of the path. Saved my life. <laughs> um, yeah, and people in New York will not stop. I know. No, they will they, run you over. Um, and then I get back to the office, and I'm clearly intoxicated. Um, and they're like, your exit interview's in like 15 minutes. Nice. We've got to hide you. So they lock me in an office in the hopes that the... the You'll magically the, sober up somehow. Some coffee. We need hot coffee. The, um, the editor who's doing the interview finds me eventually. and You're like, sleeping in a closet, in. Yes. <laughs> drooling on your shoes. And um, they bring me in, and we're like uh, doing the doing the interview. And the guy's like, um, eventually, he's like, I, "Are are you drunk?" And I was like, "Kiss my ass! <laughs> How <laughs> dare you ask me?" <laughs> and you know, I was just like, "That sir is preposterous." <laughs> and I may have spat on him when I said that. It's a distinct possibility. But um, like a year later, I was introduced to Shelley Bond, who's a Vertigo editor, at a party, and I had not really met her at all in my time at DC. And she was like, "Oh, you're the drunken intern," and I was like, "What?" <laughs> and I'm I, every year, born. every year they like warn the interns, like, "Don't get, don't get moshed You'll on never your last work day. Again. Don't get joshed." Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a legend in the DC offices. <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson returns in the sequel to the best-selling anime of 2007, Afro Samurai Resurrection. Afro Samurai avenged his father and found a life of peace, but a beautiful and deadly woman is forcing him back into the game. Starring Samuel L. Jackson and Lucy Liu, with new beats from the RZA featuring two hours of extras. Get the Blu-ray and DVD on February 3rd. Afro Samurai Resurrection. One brother, one path, 1,000 deaths. Visit afrosamurai.com for more details. So, uh, so back to uh, uh, the back Batman. to the Batman. Um, basically, they um, they kind of came to me because they were like, you know, we need um, we're look. It, it's kind of like in a lot of ways, those the kids' books are the DC tryout titles, and um, 
they wanted to see what I could do. I was a good fit for the material. They knew I knew Batman. Um, and I wrote up a spec script and it got accepted. And that was that. Um, and the, the thing that I did that I think kind of helped really put me over is I do a lot of library and school appearances. I also run a, um, a director of a nonprofit called Kids Love Comics that is all about getting comics into schools, libraries, and ge generally into places where kids are um, and comics aren't. And we want to put the two together. And um, comics weigh a lot less than kids um, on average. So it's easier for me to carry the comics to the kids and yeah. vice versa. And then again, there's also you know legal issues. With just kidnapping children just, uh, and bringing um, them to a well, room filled with comics. Nobody, nobody puts up an Amber Alert when you you know grab a, a stack of books and, and bring put them, them in your van. Right, yeah, we're right. we're going to have you break that uh, rule in September. We're going to we're expecting busloads of kids. I can uh, kidnapped. I can oh, make God. it. Uh... Chris is willing to do anything. They get. As long as I got their ten dollars, I don't care how they got it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it worked out really well, and I would um, generally. Um, buy around a thousand copies of each of my Batman issues when they would come out because I would sell them at the schools and libraries and like it generally takes me like four to five months of like events to like burn through like that many because when I take them to where the kids are they can't get enough of them they love they love the characters they love comics in general um, and they just eat this stuff up with a spoon you tell parents like no no I mean it's designed to be okay for them it's cool yeah. then they're like of course yeah they'll plunk the money down You've just got to go where they are. And um, and for me, like, honestly, the buying the books was a loss leader for me um, to have, you know, if you're an author and you don't have a bunch of your books to sign, you kind of look kind of lame yeah. after yeah, after yeah, you give yeah, your speech. Yeah. Um, so you I just, just sit kind of there at the table. Yeah, and it's like, hey, how are you doing? <laughs> yeah. You know, um, but no, they're mostly just sort of. Fourth grade you. <laughs> <laughs> they're, uh, they're mostly just sort of props for, for the speaking engagements. Um but, I mean, originally it started as a way for me to help promote the book, and then it turned into kind of this, like, whole other career for me. Um, and right now we're working with Northwestern University to put together a giant um, comics curriculum that we can take into schools all over the country and study the effects of comics in curriculum. How do comics affect kids when they're used as opposed to regular materials? And that research has never really been done, certainly never been done in a size that you can get a real statistical sample from. And if that happens, and if we can do this, we think it will completely change the way that the, the educational system views our art form. Um, That's awesome. You just blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty fun. I'll tell you what, when I took philosophy in college, I would have killed to get action philosophers. <laughs> to teach you. Yeah. That, that, that yeah. old man who was my philosophy teacher – did not make any. Never even looked at the students. He just walked back and forth, like talking. Reading yeah, the TA had to reteach it to us. I learned more from that from action philosophers than no. they did <laughs> in my philosophy class. I don't doubt it. That's a great book, Fred Van Fred Van Lenny, by the way. Um, after working on Mail Order Ninja and now the Batman, I know that you've done other stuff that isn't isn't aimed towards just twelve year olds. Yeah. Um, do you ever feel like you might get pigeonholed as as a kids writer? Well, I mean, it's it's probable. Um, I often all the most of the stuff I'm working on now is also kid oriented. I mean, I think it's just an on an untapped market for one. Um, it's a market I'm I enjoy and I'm already comfortable with, and you know, I think that I have plenty of time to write. You know, my uh, 
my tentacle my creative, porn. Yes, yeah, there's <laughs> your tentacle porn epic. <laughs> <that you have. laughs> I mean, I've got I've got notes going back on that. The Lord for years. of the, the Lord of the Rings <laughs> <with> <laughs> tentacle porn. Many many three ring binders at Josh's house. <laughs> Um, all, all plastic coated naturally. Um, but, uh, the, uh, you know, there's plenty of time to do that. What the industry needs is, um, kids reading and the, you know, if I, if I write my adult book now, it may sell now, but then it will stop selling in about 15 years when there's no one left alive to buy it. And I want to create stuff that can be enjoyed by a group right now. And keep being enjoyed, but I want to create an audience mm-hmm. for um, older works because you know because that's you get them when they're young. I mean, that's just you, you want know, to create an army of elder holics. I would love that. <laughs> um, can't get enough. Can't get enough of that, Josh. <laughs> do Do you work with the publishers at all on this? I, you know, I don't want to like cast stones, but I've tried, mm-hmm. and um, the people that are most open to it are the publishers I generally don't work for, sure. um, and. They're concerned about publishing, and they're concerned about growing the market. And the biggest growth area of the market right now is in the children's side, and it's the it's where the you know we've the the literary graphic novel has gotten over. You know, to a large part, it's succeeded um, in the ways that it set out to succeed. Um, stuff like Watchmen or um, Batman Year One have gotten. S- you know, sort of mature superhero comics over. And now we're saying, well, what else is there? And it's the kids' market. And um, now the question is, can we, can, if we can grow that market, then all the other markets will start growing, you know, um, in five to 10 years. It's just the same way that the manga market, a lot of those um, kids did graduate to reading Persepolis mm-hmm. or Mouse or Year One or oh, Dark Knight yeah, Returns. Yeah, yeah. What interests me, I think, is that you know, book publishers, regular book publishers, not comic book publishers, are more interested. It seems in that marketplace yeah. than comic book publishers are. If you talk to, uh, you know, various publishers from Random House to Ballantine Books, I mean, they're that's one of their biggest growth markets is, is, is yeah. children's graphic novels and 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 that uh, type of thing. The publishers of comic books seem to ignore the fact that there are children out there and that they may have an interest in comics if you give them something viable and entertaining for whatever reason they don't seem to want to do that well the 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 comics industry as we know it um you know by comics industry i essentially mean marvel dc dark horse image those guys the guys in the front half the previews catalog um they again know their market and every time they've attempted to sell back to kids it hasn't really gone over that well um, and so they've kind of learned their lesson and they're like, well, we should publish stuff for kids, but we can't make it profitable. So forget it. What the problem is they don't actually understand the children's market, which is a distinct market unto its own with its own different rules. Random house, Ballantine, um, Hashet books, which is the parent company of, of, uh, for a second, they do, they have people that are dedicated to selling children's books mm-hmm. to children in the outlets that children buy books. And they're like, well, kids love comics. We can um, we can sell kids comics to kids in the places where kids are. And that's why you see um, – I mean that's why Bone was a success 
by True. self-publishing terms. It's a phenomenon when Scholastic got yeah. a hold of oh, it. Oh, yeah. Um, the I mean, book it's, clubs, I mean, I, my daughter's six years old, you know, in school now, and we go to the, her little book fairs every, you know, couple of months. They have right. them, and it's, it's you know, Bone is, is there everywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a – the last time I went, I think there was a Spider-Woman pocket graphic novel thing and a X-Men poster book. Yeah, was about the only comic book related thing poster book. I saw. Yeah, it was like, yeah, I'm like, oh great, a poster book, <laughs> and uh, you know, but but yeah, Bone and and um, Diary of a Wimpy Kid. I mean, sure. that's everywhere in those in those yeah. book fairs. Yeah. And, like you're saying, I mean, if you don't put the books in front of you know the kids in the places where they're at, yeah, they're certainly not going to be interested in them. Yeah, and I mean, when I I've done. Like I've been like the guest author at some of these, you know, kids book fairs, and I have better better sales than I do at most comic conventions. You know, they they connect to the material, they want it, mm-hmm. and you've just got to go where they are. Yeah. Um, and that's what a lot of publishers need to figure out, and the book publishers are good at it, and they they realize how big a market and important a market the library market is, and um, the book fairs and the direct sales stuff. They get that, yeah. and and they're the ones that we're counting on to help us with this. Um, um, what do you call it? The this educational initiative that we're trying to do. Um, that's who we're looking towards, and uh, you know we're talking to Disney about it too. Because actually, I will hopefully be writing the Wally um, comics too. I forgot to mention that. I'm writing, oh, awesome! Hopefully, oh, Wally nice. and some Muppet stuff um, for Boom. Not much dialogue in that. That's good. no, no. Um, <laughs> That I'm actually really scared about it because the the they want a prequel and I'm like so all humans are dead like what am I supposed to do I can't even <laughs> another robots talk um, yeah so, that starts on a real down note yeah no Wally it, orders a mail order ninja yes <laughs> and ninjinks ensue um, but no I like I had to there's the there's like whole issues of this stuff where it's just Wally and you know and he gets into he, you know, he has robotic misadventures, <laughs> but, you know, he never, he just makes sort of R2-D2 noises, and so do, like, the other robots um, that vaguely kind of resemble words sometimes. So it's going to be an outrageous challenge, but it should be fun. This portion of Around Comics is brought to you by Netflix. Right now, you can start your free two-week trial by going to www.netflix.com forward slash around comics. At Netflix, you'll find over 100,000 titles to choose from, including classics and new releases, as well as TV series. Plans start from as low as $4.99 a month, and you can keep each movie as long as you want with no late fees ever. Netflix has free shipping both ways, and you can expect your next selection to be delivered in about one business day. Now watch some movies and TV series over the internet for no extra charge. I use this service on my Xbox 360 and personal laptop and love it. So head over to www.netflix.com slash around comics and get started with your free trial today. Well, tell you, uh, because of your experience in, in comics and in the book market and because of 
um, a, a recent purchase of Sal. This is a great time uh, to uh, read a listener email here, oh. which I think has a lot to do with the conversation. Knife question? We're going to, yes, knife. <laughs> it's all about knives. I did just question. purchase a new sword. No. There's a podcast called The Knife Cast. There is a podcast called The Knife Cast. <laughs> it's apparently. pretty messed up. <laughs> uh, if you would like to email the show, you can certainly do so uh, at info at aroundcomics.com. Yes. And uh, do me a favor and put listener feedback or listener email in the uh, in the subject line, it helps me keep things organized, and that's exactly what Ben Angel did. And uh, this is a long Sweet email. name, <laughs> ben, is, Angel. ben Angel. This is ben a, a, a very long email, and I'm only going to read the first part Mind of it. Freak. So, so Ben, I am I am paraphrasing your email. Hello, all. Long time time listener, but uh, first time sending you guys a message. I want to hear your opinions on digital comics and what will happen to the industry when the time comes that someone, Apple, Amazon, or another player, releases a portable electronic reading device similar in size to the Kindle 2, but but a device which is also in color. And uh, he goes on quite a bit more into that, but uh, um, Sal just uh, just got his Kindle two in the mail this week. Sweet, and uh, and I'd like to get uh, get Josh's opinion as as someone who's worked in the in the the, the direct book market as to what the impact is going to be on that. I, I want to hear your thing first, because I actually there's a another thing I didn't really intend to bring up today, but that directly relates to this that I can speak about, so I will. Um, so please speak of Kindle. Um, well, I mean, as far as the Kindle itself goes, I, I absolutely love having it. I, I, you know, it's, it was an expensive piece of technology to buy, but having it for a couple of days, I, I'm very glad that I did. I mean, for someone like me, he that carries reads a lot, he carries it in a baby born. Baby yes, Bjorn. I have a little baby Bjorn <laughs> that I carried it. No, but it. I mean, it's a uh, just a fantastic device. I'm still constantly amazed at the quality of the screen and how much it you know uh resembles paper and how easy it is on my really eyes. nicely printed paper. yes really yeah. nicely clearly printed paper and the fact that i you know i mean i put i've already put you know like 45 books on the thing and the fact that i you know can be i went to lunch the other day and was just sitting there reading it as i'm eating lunch and having you know a, an entire library at my fingertips um I, cool. yeah i just absolutely love it if if it was color um there's no question I would probably never buy a paper comic book again. <laughs> I, there's, just, I mean, if I could have a library of comics. Chris Burnham is standing over your shoulder, and it looks like you just stuck him in the heart with a knife. <laughs> still get, you still get your money. You yeah. Still... <laughs> just sell digital comics, and I'll be happy. You know, I mean, but, I need to eat. but realistically, I don't know how quickly that's going to happen because – the reason the I mean the Kindle is very expensive, but it was very expensive to develop because of the screen, the e- ink sure. that they developed. R&D. It took years and years and years and crap yep. loads of money to do black it. Black and white just to, to do black this. and white to do a color one. I mean, they you could probably do one today, but it would probably cost you fifteen hundred dollars to buy the thing. So that's why it, it's not out there now. There's rumors that like the the next iPod is going to be like seven by nine. But unless they change the actual technology, I mean, I've I've tried to read a book on an iPod or Ugh. just. You you yeah. can't do it. I mean, you can do it, but it's not it's not uh, a pleasurable experience of trying to read. You know, and even if it was a bigger it's, screen, it's, it's, well, it's you, not the, you're not the gonna, size of the screen. Yeah, you're not going to use a Kindle it's as how a you cell phone, it. right? Yeah, really. Exactly. You know. It's the mass. Um, <laughs> yeah. But do you, do you it, have it here? Yes, I do. I would love to see it. I will. Uh, I was looking at it earlier. I was. Oh. I had Kindle envy. I was like, Kindle. Because oh. I just thought about like, oh man, <laughs> not having to buy books. Because I was looking at my bookshelves like a couple weeks ago. And I was like, oh, I got all these books. And I'm like, oh, I know. I'm going to read a lot I of mean, these again. It's just sort of 
a weird waste of paper like that I have all this stuff that just sits there that I'm absolutely never look I'm, again. I'm, I'm sort of so tired of of uh, of having books everywhere and boxes of books and just you know yeah. trying to have something like this where I can put so many books on this thing and carry them around anywhere I want to be and uh, but I mean you could I mean the screen the black and white quality of pictures is good enough that you could read yeah. bone or Cerebus yeah. or a black and white comic on it. Um, I mean, you could even read a color comic on it. Uh, I'm sure I could figure out how to, how to, you know, convert a color comic book to Kindle format, to Kindle format, and read it on there. Well, I don't I was, know how. One of the things I was I was talking to Sal, and this kind of goes back to education, is that I see in in the college um, level of you know you're uh, an incoming freshman, and as part of your tuition, you get a Kindle, and instead of buying the you know. Thousands, Still getting raped thousands on books. of dollars <laughs> in books for even used books to say, here's a Kindle, and it's already loaded up with all of your first-year uh, course material. And it's like, wow. Well, what, actual, what a textbook publishers text would throw. That, yeah, they, well, you know, screw them. I was talking to you about this before, beforehand. When, screw when, them. When, when, did, when did it become... <laughs> screw all publishers. When, when did, well, when did it become off-limits to... Um, uh, to advance and to develop and to bring new things to market. When did free market become the enemy? It, it's you, the, the bookstores are freaking out about the Kindle. You know, you were telling me uh, the other day that uh, uh, the people that make audiobooks are very upset because they are. They're they're freaking out. It was interesting. I just read today a thing um, by Neil Gaiman. He mm-hmm. posted on his blog about it because everybody keeps asking him. And, but but book publishers are freaking out because there's a built-in text-to-speech. Book reader, which is in not Kindle. bad, and it's, and it's not, not bad. bad. It's not an audio book. I mean, it's not like listening to a very well produced there, audio. There's no inflection, but it's not bad. I mean, it's better than than you know the robot voice. Yeah. Um, I don't know that how much I would ever use it, but it's there, and and I guess there's already talk. Can about you how... can you turn it to a robot voice if you want to have like a Stephen Hawking book read to you? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. <laughs> Dorian oh, Gray but, walked into the room. Pub- publishers are freaking out because they're they're thinking that it's going to take away from their sale and, of audio. Sure. And what I was telling Tom is like, well, here here's an idea: make a better audio book. Well, and they yeah. do, and that's the whole point: is that audiobooks, well produced audiobooks, you're not going to get that quality with this. I mean, mm-hmm. you it, you're just not well produced audiobooks are their own thing. I mean, you know. You've listened to, to World War Z. World War Z is fantastic a audiobook. Best, best audiobook. You know, I, and whenever um, you have Henry Rollins and Alan Alda and, and tons of other yeah. like talented people doing doing these readings, that that's what you can't do on the Kindle. So instead of you know having you know reader but X there is, do it, I mean publishers well. publishers have already complained about it, and there is word that that they're going to take it off of the Kindle too and that only like if you've got if you've received yours already obviously they can't take it off of there but any new orders I don't know if that's true or not but Neil Gaiman had posted on his blog about it and he had said you know his publisher had actually contacted him about it and and, and wanted to you know sort of have him say something about it and he said well you know if if you buy a book you have the right to have someone read it to you you can't yeah. stop people from having you know someone read a book that they bought, so it's not really any different. I have than a, that. I, have, I have a plan to. One of my friends really enjoys the Jim McMahon biography, autobiography <laughs> McMahon, and I've often talked about how I was going to record a personal recording of it of me reading <laughs> exactly. McMahon well, to him. Really, what's the difference? Well, I mean, Neil, Neil, Gaiman, Neil Gaiman does in some, at least one of his books. It's as read by the author, which right. I think is very cool to have Neil Gaiman read yeah. a or book. like the Harry Potter books that are read by yeah. the. Fantastic voice actor. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, I don't, th- I mean, I could a- certainly see where people would 
you know, the, there's a possibility if... of some sales, you know, not happening because of that. I personally don't think I'll, I don't listen to that many audiobooks. I, I prefer to well, read, but you just have to make one that's better than an automated voice reading. Yeah, book. I mean, really, I mean, that's, that's what it kind of yeah. comes down to. <laughs> Was it yeah. the, what George Goodell? I'm probably getting the name wrong. That did uh, a bunch of the the Dark Tower and did Neil Gaiman's American Gods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I will, I will, I will be apt to buy audiobooks if I see that he is the reader. Sure. But you're absolutely right in that make better audiobooks and yeah. it shouldn't be an issue. But you know, well, I mean the the problem always with any kind of innovation is the companies that already are dominant in any system are invested in the system. Yes. And when the system changes, they can generally die and fall out. You know, um, Dinosaurs. Yeah, they're I afraid mean, of being dinosaurs. I mean, what what horse and buggy carrier successfully made the transition to the stupid Model you know, T auto the auto car? <laughs> uh, that the automated um, car, the, the horseless carriage. And you know the the you know if we were living uh, you know hundred and you know if this was if we had the same sort of um, climate then they would have been considered too big to fail and we would probably still have a subsidy for you know for carriage right. riders and you know what a sad Subs- world that would carriage suck carriage rider subsidy <laughs> it would it would, ha- it would happen well, you they're, know? they're too big to fail <laughs> they're too yeah, big to exactly. fail yeah. it's it's a sad state of affairs and that's why only um, Steve Jobs, only Apple could have made iTunes because who else was going to? Atlantic Records? Well, then fine. The Warner Music would never have put their content sure. on there. And even if it had been just as functional, just as good, and you know, Atlantic had partnered with Sony to produce – and Sony's an even better example. Sony has a music label. Sony created um, for years the best uh, MP3 players out there, and they still couldn't get any traction in the market because no one else would partner with Sony. It's like, here, Sony, we're going to give you money, our direct competitor, so that you can put us out of the business that we're in, in right now successfully. Well, with and even, even Apple didn't have the easiest time with iTunes in the beginning. It no. wasn't until people started realizing, wow, we can make a crap load of money <laughs> yeah. through this, this even, even though well, it's, And they, it's they, they saw different... the inevitability of it, the writing. They, sure. uh, basically, it reached a point of no return for them, uh, where it's like the CD is, is dead, mm-hmm. and it's just like a dying star. It's going to take well, a while for the light to reach you're starting to see even Apple become... Uh, Start to have its own prob- its own dinosaur like problems with all their DRM stuff, and yeah. people are like, sure. "You're the old way, the old way of open source or die." Yeah, it's yeah. like yeah. that. It, it, you're already starting to see they that cycle go so fast where yeah. they're like. But I mean, absolutely. If if that if the Kindle too was a color, mm-hmm. uh, you know, color reader, oh. and you could put comics on it, I mean, it would it would quickly spell the end of. Of paper comics in a huge way. I well, mean, it sure. would just destroy I can, that. I think I've got a, I've got a, I've got something like that that speaks directly to this. Um, I'm actually the CEO of a company called Comic Feast. And you have created a new color screen. No. I, <laughs> wow! I have, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Brown designed the technology. Um, Aside no, from hot air balloons, but all the comics look like they're drawn by Jeffrey Brown. Yes. Yeah. So. it's the, we call it we call it the Brownizer. Um, we, brown. Actually, we call it the Brown Eye. Brown and eye. then the you see eye. it, and then bam! Uh, it's magic. It's magic. Um, but no, Comic Feast is a digital comic distribution uh, system, and we are uh, we. We basically – it's a server-based system. You don't download anything. It's all streamed, mm-hmm. um, and you view it through Flash, so you can essentially view any kind of um, – you know, it, we can take any kind of pre-existing paper comic and, and put it up there, and it looks great. Um, but if you're someone who's doing native-to-the-web stuff like Scott McCloud's Infinite Canvas, mm-hmm. um, all that stuff you talked about in Reinventing Comics, you can do that too. Um, so it scales however we want to scale it. It can be played on anything that can play Flash, which is essentially any any computer mm-hmm. um, or 
you know, the thing that I think is actually going to kill the Kindle um, is the netbook, which is, you know, a $400, three, $300, $400 laptop that is so cheap and so good because they replace the hard drive with a flash drive and you run everything off internet applications. You use like Google Docs um, instead of a word processing program. You use, um, you, you know, you use streaming audio instead of like um, uh, an MP3 player sure. that's embedded on the computer. And that's a fully functional internet connected Wi-Fi laptop that has a eight inch screen weighs like weighs like pound or two and they, they're getting they're getting um, um, thinner and they're getting lighter more um, book like more book like yeah. and oh man your Kindle's obsolete <laughs> already <laughs> I just got it a week ago <laughs> it only took a week God and damn it's, it and it's color and it's a high res monitor what's up with that, um, little, that old piece of shit you got in your <laughs> well the problem though the, the issue is that I mean it comes down to the, the, the software apps that are running on sure. it and, and, and you know I mean, the most likely candidate for that is probably iTunes once, or you know, Apple once again with a with a larger iPod as opposed to a, in, you know, I mean, there's a the, the, seen... the issue always comes down to compatibility with those right. kind of things because you don't have you need a powerhouse to come in and go. This is the way things are, and now everyone develop things. You know, well, a, they they made you know the Apple uh, apps, the iTunes apps, uh, or iPhone apps, open source so that anyone can develop them. That's why it's been successful. The problem with a lot of times. With those systems, you'll have four or five or six or eight or ten different companies working on the same thing, and, and none of them become the standard. Well, the, the beauty thing about the netbook is, is it's all since it's all cloud based, it's everything runs through a browser. Yeah. And if you can open it and run it through, you know, a, a standard internet source, which is Internet Explorer or Firefox, and that's basically anything that you encounter on the internet. Um, you know, it'll run, it'll run Flash, it'll run. Um, you know, uh, Adobe Acrobat, it'll run all those apps you need to run it, but even those are migrating towards being purely web-based stuff too, that you can access just through your browser without having to install anything. Mm-hmm. And that is the ultimate open source. That is the ultimate, um, I mean, the internet is the ultimate open source tool. And that's, netbooks are designed to take advantage of that. And by next year, there'll be 12% of the laptop market. And because they're so cheap, they're going to explode. The plan was originally to sell them into the third world, but they've been gobbled up by um, people who want like a second, really portable laptop yeah, just to check their the email. Third world, man. Yeah, <laughs> just to uh, you know, send them those send them cells Kindle. He won't have any use for it in like twelve months, man. <laughs> we'll see about that. We'll he's, see. He, it's going to be one big long tear whenever he closes <laughs> up that box to you know. Yeah, I'm still not. Yeah. But you're still not going to be reading books on. I mean, you will be, but it's yeah. still not the the screen is the difference. I mean, that's and the, the, and I the, and the, I agree. Um, the the thing about like the Kindle, looking at it right now, is the screen. The size of the screen is going to prevent it. You can do a, a you click um, or iverse type scenario where they where they will slice a comic up yeah. and. Um, resize panels, um, reformat panels. That'll work on something like the Kindle, but the Kindle's never going to get any bigger than it is right now. Right. Um, whereas, the, I mean, it's specifically designed for one sure. application. Yeah. And that's pretty and, much it. And comics, because they are an art object, the size determines the format in a pretty substantial way, and that is why you know we went. When we were developing this, we aimed at computers, which every a everybody already has, and b are the right size to display display a comic. Mm. Um, you know, our viewer on a laptop like the two you guys have open right now can display a full size American Color comic two up, and it's completely legible. 
Um, and it, uh, that's the thing that Jeff is working. He's actually giving us all of his sketchbooks, mm -hmm. um, going back to high school, stuff that had never been published anywhere. eBay those. Yes, well. <laughs> Where'd it go? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> we lost them. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we're going to have exclusive rights to all of his sketchbooks, um, and, um, We've signed Blue Water publishers already. I mean, I didn't even tell anyone this thing existed until mm -hmm. the New York Comic Con, and we've already had just a tremendous amount of of response. And a lot of people are trying to do this right now. This is like there's like a gold rush. Diamond's new um, threshold numbers have set off like this gold rush to grab sure. that bottom five or ten percent. Which, if you can actually serialize and, and sell them in a in a way, you can actually make some serious money. Um, and then you can start scaling up because people will say, okay, I don't know if I'm willing to abandon like the front list sales through comic shops that I have right now because I don't know if this system's format's going to take off. I'm not going to stop publishing comics, and I'm afraid that this will cannibalize my sales, but I'll give you my backlist that we don't um, – that we know if we reprinted, it would be a 50-50 you know, shot at best that we'd actually make our money back, but there is an audience for and we'll oh, and we'll make money on every single download. When sure, you say serious money. What are we talking about? Um, <laughs> you got a backlist uh, you're willing to buy anything? Publish? I'm getting out of here. I'm going to go make my own. <laughs> well, I mean, it, obviously, I guess it depends on how good uh, this yeah. book of yours is. Um, <laughs> but um, there's a couple there's a couple graphs that we put together that kind of charted um, Wither Comics. And uh, 1977, Amazing Spider-Man cost 30 cents. Amazing Spider-Man today costs three ninety-nine. Mm -hmm. um, Amazing Spider-Man in nineteen seventy-seven um, had a circulation of two hundred and eighty thousand. Today it averages about seventy to eighty thousand per issue. Now, Amazing Spider-Man, um, if that thirty cents had risen at the cost of inflation, would cost a dollar nine today. Mm -hmm. Now, there's plenty of reasons why periodicals and you know Time magazines feeling this as much as Amazing Spider-Man have risen out of proportion to what inflation was, but the market doesn't care about that. The market wants Spider-Man, but the market has a hard time finding Spider-Man. It has a hard time accepting for 22 pages that will probably read in 15 to 20 minutes at, at, a, at a stretch um, is not worth $4 I to me. I read slow. Okay. Fair enough. Bare, barely. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> and barely. But, you know, for, barely. <laughs> for twice that, you could buy uh, a paperback and a paperback novel, and, mm -hmm. you know, it'll take you the better part of a day. Depending on how slow you are, you can buy a classic for eighty cents on uh, for Kindle now. Yeah, or I mean, if you're going to get out of the reading game, you can rent, sure. you know, uh, Final Fantasy VII and play it for forty hours, mm -hmm. and the same amount that you put in, you know, that's, yeah. you know, per, you'd feel per, pretty bad though at the end. I, I yeah, I, forty <laughs> hours of Final Fantasy I VII. So much you'd be time. one of those like uh, Korean dudes that like died playing StarCraft. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You died playing the game. <laughs> that's, what, that's what you should talk about. Go. Your StarCraft comics should be, yeah, it should be about, about, the, about the dead Korean about dude. About the dead Korean dude. Um, <laughs> uplifting it's an that's <laughs> real heartwarming. Hey, hey there, there's your Wally intro right there. Everyone died playing StarCraft. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good explanation, as any. Um, but, um, you know, we have. Uh, Basically, something like this has to happen, and you know whether Comic Feast is the the format that wins or even takes you know a good chunk of the market. It doesn't matter; someone's going to. And um, the thing that we're trying to get over to publishers is this is happening, and if you get on board early, it'll be good for you. Because otherwise, people who have nothing to lose, who aren't invested in the system, will invest in this new one, and it will take it will take over eventually. 
and they'll be the ones that benefit instead of you. Um, but the other thing is, you know, we're sitting in a comic shop right now. I love comic shops. I've worked in a comic shop. I, I was a comic shop was my babysitter from about, you know, eight on. And I don't want them to go away. But selling frontless periodicals is not, you know, um, not not a very um, safe bet right now. And but the selling of high end collectibles, knowing your market the way that only a niche um, a niche store can, that isn't going away. And we're creating an add on to Comic Feast that this is what really sets. I mean, everyone's doing digital stuff. What sets us apart is we're developing a thing that we call the marketplace that will. Um, be a networked connection of uh, hopefully we eventually hope every comic store in the country. It's like Amazon's marketplace, but for comic shops. So, <laughs> he's joking to he's, death. <laughs> oh God, no! Okay. That's a, that's a very that. powerful visceral reaction. Oh, I haven't encountered that yet. He's choking on a card off. Continue. So the the shops would be networked. The shops for- would be networked. You would put your inventory up, and the way that just like on an Amazon store. Um, if someone types it in and you know you see the buy used or new and you go to that and it takes you to every store like basically every bookstore in the country that has this item or mm. you know if you're searching in the garden stuff all the small garden you know ace hardware or whatever that has it and how much it'll cost to ship it to you or if you wanted to buy it and it was your local comic shop and they had it on their shelf you buy it reserve it walk right in and pick it up that day um, so it's a pretty functional thing um, for front list. Um, you know, it'll say, okay, here's here's what everyone else is selling this stuff for. I overordered this book. I can unload it, um, and here's a market that's dedicated to that kind of thing. You know, instead of schlepping your 50 extra trades of um, you know some variant edition of whatever to a convention and hoping you move them there, you just slap them up on comic on the comic these marketplace I, even, I, I think that may even be viable for backlist stuff considering that's, that you're going to have people that'll read the digital version of it mm-hmm. and possibly want to own the, the that's uh, i mean that's what it started as it was it's like in every book if a print edition exists we would set a link that buy the print edition after mm-hmm. you read the digital copy um but then we said this could actually be a lot bigger than that and um could be a thing that's a destination site all in itself and a way to Instead of turning this into an, you know, the the market's evolving, comics are evolving. It doesn't have to be an extinction level event for comic stores. It can be a gradual evolution where they evolve with the form and you know evolve in a new symbiotic relationship with it. And you know we can use digital sales to push um, print sales, but it'll be sales of things that are more permanent, like trade paperbacks, hardcovers. Absolute editions um, or collectibles based on it. You know, we're not selling T-shirts. We don't want to sell T-shirts, mm. but you guys do, and you know, comic shops do. That's a place where we can partner. You do what you do well. We'll help you do it better, and we'll increase the size of the the sale market for the comics that that pump all this stuff. I, you make way too much sense. I expect you to be a complete failure with this. <laughs> it's just way too logical. It makes too much sense. Comic shop owners won't. We'll, yeah, never, we'll never jump on. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not, it sounds great. It sounds really interesting. I, uh, when uh, when do you expect to be able to roll something out or, or, well, or we're, officially? We're going to launch the the Comic Feast main by the end of the summer. Like okay. it's 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 we're on target to launch. We want to launch by San Diego, um, but um, we may not launch until until later. It all depends on honestly 
how big some of it gets mm -hmm. um, and what we want to develop and what we feel, okay, we should launch with this. This came down the pike. We should take advantage of it and we'll, we'll wait and launch after it. Um, the marketplace is its own separate concern, but it'll be launching soon after the right. the the main site launches. All right. Well, Ben, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, that was a uh, <laughs> it stirred a whole lot of I have uh <laughs> let's see. I got I got one here. Okay, go oh, ahead. This God. is from uh, Tom Stillwell. Tom oh, okay. Stillwell. Former yeah. guest of the show. He's the owner of Spinner Rack Comics and also the uh um like the head guy Unscrewed. You can go back and listen to that episode. Tom's a good guy and he the uh, he says that uh, I'd really like it if Tom Caters wrestled a live bear on the podcast. Tom, can you make we'll that happen? Yeah. Can we do that? You can rent a bear. Gotta, <laughs> How much rent is a wrestling bear? bear? How much does a wrestling know. bear cost? I'm not sure. Uh, we'll have to look into I'll, wrestling I'll bear. wrestle a bear. That, that Brown one bear, in, uh, grizzly bear, black bear, doesn't matter. Whatever. Panda? I think a panda. Koala? Like the, yeah. the panda and Tekken. Koala. The rarer, the better. <laughs> the, more, like, the more damage I can do to the ecosystem by destroying that bear, the better. <laughs> All right. Well, it's damaged ecosystem. Like, first of all, we should eliminate the pandas if we're talking about like ecosystem damage. They are the most maladjusted yeah, creatures They don't do ever. anything. They barely. They can you, barely uh, they, be they, bothered to have sex. Exactly. <laughs> Once you reach that point as a species, you're done. Like, like as far uh, as I'm concerned, if you put them in and you're like you're playing, you know, Barry White, and they're still not going at it, and you're spraying them down with like panda pheromones, and they're just hanging out. There's a reason why there's only like three, yeah. three of them because yeah. they don't like having sex. You know, like, the you hell know? kind of creature are you? Yeah. Jesus, like, no wonder. You're all dying. The ecosystem has made a choice with the pandas, <laughs> yeah. and we don't allow that choice to come to fruition because they're too damn cute. What about a pri right? what about a prizzly? What's a prizzly? It is the 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 new species that's being created it's because a, of the damage boutique. of the no, it's a, yeah, boutique, it's a boutique, it's boutique bear. bear. <laughs> it's a cross between a polar bear and a grizzly. Oh, oh, okay. I've heard about that. That's these. awesome. Yeah, they, that's yeah, like that's like build a bear for mad scientists. They, yeah, it's, <laughs> well, they're 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 happening because what of the damage to the ecosystem that polar bears are. What do I get to bring? Like, do uh, I? You have your choice of a uh, uh, double sided axe, uh, a baseball bat with nails in it, okay, or. Um, can I bring a trident and a net? <laughs> uh, trident or a net, not both. Uh, oh, sorry, they go together. Uh, yeah. Or a bola. Spartacus, man. A bola. Uh, I'd wear them out. I'd just run around until chari we got tired. <laughs> Chariots are outlawed. Chariots are outlawed. <laughs> yeah, I can't have that. What sort of terrain are we talking about? Are we talking about uh, completely open field, no contours? No, I think uh, 12 woodland, by 12. Room. I think woodland. 12 by 12. How about row? this? Inside, like, a la uh, laser gun course. Yeah, you know, exactly. Me and a prisley inside, like, a building. <laughs> I think like, that would strobe work. lights and... Uh, I think we can get that done. I right. think that's... We'll do. That's Tom Still, you got your wish come true. Windy, <laughs> Windy City Comic Con. Tom wrestles a bear. There you go. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Stillwell. Always, always good to hear from you. I got, um, I got an email here. Mm -hmm. uh, this is from Scott. Said, uh, hey, guys, love the podcast. I know the that bashing 90s comics and Rob uh, Liefeld art uh, is a fun game, but we all know there were some cool things happening in the 90s. I'd love to hear about some diamonds in the rough or forgotten treasures from the age of pre-bag trading card bad girl die-cut variant Foley, Foley? Foley? Hologram Foil. covers. Are, are these real emails? I they love, seem like I've been writing them to ourselves. I love the 99 cent <laughs> untold tales of Spider-Man written by Kurt Busiek. 
that was my fa- absolute favorite comic for a long time, especially since the whole clone saga was going on. Also, I think that Sabretooth miniseries with the Mark Teixeira covers was cool, but maybe I remember it too fondly. So what are some forgotten gems from the 90s? Thanks, Scott. Starman. Starman. Starman, sure, yeah. That came to my mind. Um, it's a 90s book that was good. 90s. Um, 90s. I always regret, regret not uh, reading Love and Rockets 90s. in the 90s. That was around. When was... Uh, Martial Law. When was Bendis's I love that book. like goldfish and that stuff? Is that, that was in the nineties? Nineties, yeah. Is that nineties? Or so. late nineties? Was it? Yeah. Was it nineties? I thought it was two thousand. Definitely two thousand. No, two two okay. no, thousands. He was like early two thousands. He was doing uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. Was he? Yeah, yeah. and that was after Goldfish. Check and out. Torso. That's been out for a while. Yeah, check out like Torso and Goldfish. Nineties. Yeah. Jinx. There's a lot of like uh, you know there's a lot of uh, black and white stuff and alternative stuff you know. And I mean, I'd, uh, I'd actually throw some love towards that uh, very early Valiant stuff, like the the, yeah. the Solar miniseries that mm-hmm. Barry Windsor Smith drew. You know, you don't get Archer and Armstrong. Archer and yeah. Armstrong. I love that book, and that's uh, out in hardcover now. You can get that. Uh, they they re released the yeah. new Valiant stuff. Yeah. Sure. Uh, what about like Ma- when was Mage? That was like eighties, right? Mage's eighties. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, Still get it. It's good. Yeah, it was good. I, he was doing something in the nineties. I don't know. How about, <laughs> I don't know how about, how about uh, Mark Wood was doing the Flash in the nineties. There you go. Yeah. 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 That was pretty good. Mark what about um, Bone? Is definitely a 90s book. Cross and Cross Gen. There was some good Cross Gen. Mm-hmm. I liked, um, what was the. No, that was still. That was 2000s. Though. Was it 2000s? Yeah. I thought yeah, that was early. It was. Late 90s. Either way, get I can't. I don't know. Stop putting labels on everything. I don't know. I can't remember the 90s. No, there there was a lot of good stuff that came out in the 90s. Nirvana. That came out in the 90s. That was very 90s, absolutely. Oh, if you like stuff after, like, Sliver. <laughs> Which came out in like '88, you know, before you're, they sold out. I like you're bleach. just bleach. 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 bleach, bleach, bleach. Yeah, I know. That's a great album. All right, will you guys uh, already wrap this one up? I suppose. If you're gonna just, I have another email. You know, okay, oh. let's do, we'll do one more email. This God. Tom will love this. One. Even though, even though Tom, well, look is... at how long that is. I can already get out your Kindle to read my this. Friend, <laughs> my friend in Portland, Oregon, <laughs> sent me this a couple of weeks ago, and I thought of you. This actually appeared on Craigslist here several weeks ago. Uh, to the woman that crapped in my car. <laughs> oh, no. We, oh, no. We met on Craigslist, so I'm hoping that this post finds you. I know that it could p- quite possibly be the most humiliating first date that you have ever been on, but I am willing to look past that. <laughs> I thought we had chemistry sitting at Mick Meneman's, sharing that basket of Cajun tots while drinking the Terminator Stout. <laughs> Oh, I God, really felt that's like, a disaster. I really, <laughs> I really felt like there was a connection there. I found you to be intelligent and witty, and it looked for, uh, and I looked forward to further conversation with you. At some point in life, everyone has gambled on a fart and lost. <laughs> it just happened to be on a first date in the passenger seat of my car. Please don't feel bad. The package I sent you with Pepto the next day. This has got to be a joke. Somebody wrote it, but there you go. Someone shitting in a... More shitting in your pants in humor. A, yeah. uh, we just, hey, highbrow. Yeah, it's us. Mm-hmm. So there you go, shitting in your pants. Aben- Abenati has ruined this show. He has that effect. So he'll be back uh, March 27th, by the way. Well, more fantastic. More, uh, more shit stories. Shitting. More, more pants shitting. Oh, I'm sure he'll he'll probably... Update. Yes. It's probably some new stuff. <laughs> There's some new shit life. that's going kind of, like, Damn it, Sal. Bring, last bring, bring yeah. some new material. <laughs> <laughs> All right. As always, we are proud to help support the Hero Initiative. Hero creates a financial safety net for yesterday's creators who need emergency medical aid, financial support for essentials of life, and an avenue back into paying work. It's a chance for us to give something back to all the 
the people who have given us so much enjoyment in our life. For more information, visit heroinitiative.org or call 310-909-7809. And we have a little uh, hero event, uh, which we'll be announcing in the next uh, month or so. So oh, if, if you are if you are in uh, in the Chicago area or close, we're going to have uh, a fun uh, a fun day with uh, some some hero some and opportunities I, I almost to give to hero. Guarantee uh, Chris hurting himself on that day oh, yeah. at some point. Oh. Yeah, it will be hurt. Yeah, it'll happen. How drunk is he going to be? Probably really drunk. Yeah, yeah. But that will only be part of why he hurts himself. Yeah, there'll be a trip to the hospital yeah. at some point. All I have so to say be- is. Uh, in some situations, I'm a little bit like Ricky Henderson. <laughs> if I if I walk into the comic shop and, and see I'm you naked, in the mirror with a baseball bat, you are the best, Tom. Ricky, oh, now, best. now Tom, Tom is, is the best. best of all time. Tom is the best of all time. <laughs> I framed a million dollar Tom, check what? on the wall, and then they, 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 they catch they, it. Then they had to call me because their bank their bankroll was off a million dollars. Like, thank everyone. Like, that was so, so he's so awesome. All right, uh, I want to thank everyone for the iTunes. Music reviews had a, had a rush of iTunes reviews, so you have some of them this week and some. Caught next a foul week. ball and wouldn't give it to a kid because he's never caught a foul ball. Huh? I didn't. I didn't Ricky, I didn't game. he's going back to Even Ricky. Though he again. has caught thousands of live action, <laughs> live actual balls. live baseballs, something that is far more rare than catching. A foul ball? Yeah, he caught a foul ball at a game and wouldn't give it to a kid because he said he never caught a foul ball in the stands. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I love Ricky Henderson. Oh, uh, all these stories just make me like him that much more. The, the old he's insane. He didn't want to go into the He didn't want to go into the Hall of Fame because he st- thought he still had a chance to come back. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, would like to thank uh, Scott HPDX. Chuck Enigma and Ken Spiracy. Thank you. Uh, Ken Spiracy. Thank you. That's nice. I like, like that. that one. Thank you so much for uh, leaving those iTunes music reviews. It really is uh, one of Except the best fuck ways to one help of you us. all because yeah. I didn't even get a mention. Oh, when they said like Chris, Chris and Tom Chris and... are awesome. Yeah. Whoa. What the fuck am I? I kind of passive aggressive <laughs> review. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kind of giggled. Uh, you can drop. They're by. really not that awesome. Uh, <laughs> I've been around them a lot more than uh, you. You can drop by our forum nice, at uh, aroundcomics.com and continue the conversation here uh josh certainly brought up some uh, some pretty fantastic stuff about the future of the industry so did I'm i sure. potentially piss anyone off uh not no. today Damn. all right uh, maybe next year kendall one owners they're like sony e-reader owners early adopted my ass <laughs> <laughs> so you can uh, you can uh continue the conversation at our forum uh windy city comic-con update uh, first of all we have a uh uh windy city Con uh, alum here, and you'll be a guest at uh, at the second annual Windy City show. I, I surely will. Yeah. So, uh, so he's referring the the bear wrestling, the bear yeah. wrestling. So he's I'm, had experience. I'm really hoping he does bring a busload of kids. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm not gonna try and get him to kidnap children so to bring we'll, to our show. We'll talk you know, off mic. All right, sure, sure. Uh, That's all you, man. I had, what fact, are what are uh, a, a couple of I'm our a couple disavowing of... Chris's statements at this <laughs> point? Uh, our our latest uh, additions <clears throat> to the guest list. Uh, uh, we Kevin mentioned, Mellon. Kevin Mel- uh, mentioned Jeff Lemire. Is Jeff Lemire will time? be there again. And um, uh, oh, the dude Al- who writes proof. Yeah, Alex Grecian yeah, is going to be there. Yeah. So um, Dennis Hopeless maybe. Dennis Hopeless going to make. Uh, we got a whole scat of KC guys that I'm getting oh, confirmation. Great. It's going to smell from. like barbecue sauce. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They're bringing, bringing some barbecue up. Yeah. Uh, so, barbecue uh, and sadness. Who yeah. else recently? <laughs> Kansas City. 
I don't know. Yeah, That's Dave, about it. David Peterson we had mentioned. David so, Peterson. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, we, we have some announcements regarding those Kansas City creators here in the next month. Uh, they're gonna, they've got some fun stuff planned on the road to Windy City. Order your Comic-Con. tickets. Only 234 days or something. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> Time's running out. Time's running yeah. out quick. So, win, WindyCityComicCon.com. Go check that out. Uh, Tom versus The Flash. Two this week? I did three. You did three? You did yeah, get three. I fought through my back pain. Nice. Yeah. I dedicate. You are dedicated. You are a dedicated man. So uh, check out uh, Tom versus the Flash as he walks you through or runs you through the history of the DC (laughs) universe, one issue at a time. Lay down next to me, and I'll tell you about it. (laughs) There's no running. Um, (laughs) If you're not already sick of me, you can hear more of me with Vince B, David Price, and Wood. That reminds me, I got a. Oh yeah, you got a jab. Well, I just want. I was saying, I was listening to not the latest episode, but the one before that, and. You know, listening to Wood talk about DMZ, it's no wonder that we're in such fine financial shape in this country because you have such level-headed people <laughs> in the fi- in the financial world. You know, it's like according to him, I think we're we're heading towards Mad Max territory. So it's a little scary to I got my shoulder, reactionary. I got my, I got my football pads ready with spikes on them and keeping cans of gasoline <laughs> actually, in my I mean, apartment. Actually, don't t- you think we should have guys that are a little more calm, a little more even? Actually, Wood know? told me um, he wears animal skins and face paint now. <laughs> that doesn't surprise. <laughs> it's a podcast right. war. Yeah, there's yeah, there's, there's a little s- little banter going back each. And Vince, <laughs> sad Jesus. So uh, Thursday or Friday, check out Eleven O'clock like Comics and. And uh, and I'm sure the uh, the barbs will will be shot back uh, this week. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone for joining us uh, today, Josh. Uh, real quick, anywhere on the the intranets that folks can uh, check out your work, uh, what what you're up to, and I know uh, also you uh, you can book speaking engagements. At your you site? can, um, you can, you can find me at joshelder.com. It's pretty simple to remember, um, and uh, all the information for. Booking me for speaking engagements if you're a school or library um, can be found there. And uh, obviously, if you're interested in either Comic Feast or um, uh, helping out with the, uh, the comics curriculum, the comics in the classroom initiative, um, feel free to contact me about that too. And uh, Or if you know you just want to talk about ninjas, that's cool as well. Ninjinx. Always happy to talk about ninjinx. You know, ninjinx of your own. That's going to be that, that, that's, that's going to be some the, shirts for that, I think. Some ninjinx yeah. shirts. That's going to be the title for this episode. Ninjinx. Ninjinx. Absolutely. How much right. do we have to pay you then? That's, yeah, what does that cost? Uh, that, that I up? mean, that that's that's a potentially uh, multiple reproduction of my uh, trademarked uh, uh, phrase. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm gonna spell it with an X. Ah, <laughs> yeah, ninjinx and a Z. <laughs> Not the same. All right, uh, Sal and Tom, as yes. always, and uh, Mr. Mark Beatty for hosting us here at Dark Tower Comics and Collectibles. We got uh, uh, quite a few people uh, hanging out. Uh, Jose and Brandon and and nelson and his lovely wife came by to see us so uh you do the same come on by dark tower as we record all right everyone have a fantastic rest of your week and weekend we'll be back again next monday with another full-length episode in the meantime in between time thank you sir we'll be everywhere in and around around comics comics. this is the end where we have i see i see She's waiting for us to actually say no, something I, funny, though. Yeah, I mean, the, no, the, moment, funny. the moment that, yeah, that there is actual wit in the banter, yeah. I'll be happy to join in. Um, <laughs> this is mostly re- I retarded. Mean, I, mean, I mean, I can make. To the retarded. <laughs> retarded uh, I can mock the, uh, the mentally handicapped with the best of them. I'm not saying I can't. 
views expressed in the interviews or by guests of the show are solely those of the individuals expressing them and may not reflect the opinions of Around Comics. Any reproduction, rebroadcast, or retransmission without the express written consent of Around Comics is strictly prohibited. All content presented in this program is the sole property of Around Comics and Josh Elder. And this has been an Around Comics production copyright 2009. A lot of people believe that. Kiko and the lavender moon not dancing, making faces at a big black cat. And then he flies up to the wall, stands on one foot, doesn't even fall. Dance and dance, still dance until he goes off to sleep.